Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Linda. Linda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are super excited to have you today. Here today, Linda, and I'm we are. To be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, what stories you're going to be sharing with us and what Bible insights you've got coming up. Linda, how are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. Okay, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, good. good. Um, I thought that I was going to be more tired getting up this early, uh-huh, but uh-huh. no, all good. What time did your alarm clock go off? Oh, four thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Breakfast Show Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun times. You know, I, I find that uh, you can get up at that hour of the morning and you feel quite fresh, but maybe mm. around lunchtime you might be feeling for, waiting for a nap. Yeah, we'll see how the day goes, hey. What are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful for a warm fireplace that I had crackling in the house, uh, which made everything so much easier because I wasn't freezing. I so, am so, yeah. so jealous right now. You have <laughs> no idea. I am going through my first winter ever in my entire life without a fireplace. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. And normally we light our fire after uh, in, in uh, late April and put it out in October. Yep. So It's just nice watching it. It, it, it is. It's, yeah, it's it, man's first television. That's it what is. what it is. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's the best thing ever. You can sit there and stare at a fire forever and stay warm and you never get cold. And right now our house is kind of freezing cold. But anyway, that's <laughs> all right. I can be thankful this morning because when I went to bed last night, I looked out and like, ooh, there's going to be a frost this morning. Got up this morning. There's cloud cover. It has kept the temperature up. There is no frost. That makes me happy. The other thing that makes me happy is that the days are getting longer, which means that they mm. will soon be getting warmer and... Winter will not last forever. Yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Linda, tell us some positively different news this morning. So I found some beautiful positive news from Pennsylvania in the States. And this is um, one of the top 50 readers digest that wrote about this. When New Yorker Julie Snarsky first moved to the picturesque community of the Delaware River, she felt like she had wandered into a television set. And so it was just a beautiful, picturesque city. Um, for nearly four decades, on the third Sunday of every month, St. Andrew's parishioners had been meeting in the church parish house and assembled meals for elderly and shut-in residents of um, five-county Philadelphia area. But when the coronavirus... Um, oh, let me... Sorry, scrolling, it just scrolling, scrolling, yeah, that's yep. it. <laughs> when the coronavirus ended their proud 37-year streak of this tradition, but church members figured out a way to continue their essential service just as the needs skyrocketed. Caring for Friends, the organization that distributes the meal, came up with the idea of the parishioners to make meals in their homes, and they enlisted neighbors to help, and pretty soon the volunteers were cranking out a 1,000 meals and 400 containers of soup each week, almost 10 times more food than before. Wow. Okay, I wait, wait, wait. wait, wait yeah, really yeah. Cool. Just run those stats past me again. How many meals are they cranking out? These a are all home-cooked, yes. a 1,000 home-cooked meals. Yes, and 400 containers of soup each week. So that's they got efficient a, with it. <laughs> that's just mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. How many members does this church have? Does it uh, say? I'm not sure how many members they have. Um, yeah, not sure. But but it yeah. sounded like you know they would regularly meet every single week and do this in the church. That's right. Where but they've got the facilities everyone, for doing bulk. Yeah, exactly. But then when everyone had time to go home and do it, you know, 
possibly they would do it more times a week as well, yep. not just one day. Yep. Um, that would be my guess. Yep. So, yeah. Just on a uh, little home-cooked stove, rather than those uh, big uh, commercial kitchens that you often That's have it. in church halls. That's it. Yeah. No, it's wow. beautiful. And, and also, um, St. Edris is also educating its largely white parish and community about racism now, which is so important, uh, with training and discussion sessions every Sunday after church via Zoom. So, yeah, they're just really wanting to make an impact in their community, which I think is awesome. Fantastic. Good to yeah. see people who are looking outside of the box and they're not just sort of like, yeah, no, you know what, we're just going to close down because we can't keep going. Like exactly. This. Yeah. And, and see what is my part in this, yep. which is, yeah, really awesome. Yep. Yeah. Some other good news is um, from Oxford City Council in England. Um, they have secured 124 rooms of interim housing for the next year, ensuring there will be no need to return to the streets for people who have been living on the streets during the coronavirus crisis because they um, initiated a stay-at-home initiative. And, of course, for the people who are living on the streets, they don't have a home to go to. And so um, the university college there opened up their dormitories. Because their dormitories are empty. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, and Uh this has led um, a lot of these homeless people to taking steps to leaving the streets for good. And so they see that when they give them homes and give them the support that they need, they have actually given them the ability to see a brighter future as well. Give them a little bit of dignity, give them some hope, and they can often move on from there. Yeah. And, you know, being in contact with them rather than just sort of passing them on the street, you'd be able to sit down, have a conversation, and say, you know, how can we get you the help that you need? How can we get you into permanent housing? All of that kind of thing. I think this is fantastic. Absolutely. And, and particularly because, you know, the, the COVID crisis that we have happening right now is going to increase the level of homelessness yes. um, due to poverty and job loss and so yep. forth. The more we can do to reduce that, yeah. reduce that pressure, the better. Yeah, so it's awesome to see that there's some positive news within this that actually some people who have been struggling, uh, we can look at that and see how have they been struggling and how can we move forward from this and how can we make it better. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes, and we also have some positive news more locally, um, firefighters cautiously, uh, cautiously optimistic this fire season shaping up to be better than the last. We know that we had a devastating fire season 2019-2020 um, and because of all the rain that we've gotten now, um, it looks like it might be a little bit better this season. Not quite so dry. Not quite so dry and they've been able to do some um, hazard reduction burnings um, to prepare for the fire season as well. So tell me something, Linda. You're from Sweden, right? That's right, yeah. You might be able to, if you're listening, and you might be able to pick up just the faintest hint of an accent. I'll put on the Swedish accent for a little bit. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You've been living here for like, what, two years and you just sound like full Aussie. Well done. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. (laughs) Um... Do you get do you get like massive forest fires in Sweden during Not the summer? Not really. Right. Um, we we do get fires sometimes. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a very dry summer, so we did get some fires, uh, but nothing like here. Uh, yeah, because if you had fires just, like we have, that it'd kind of be like the whole of Sweden. yeah, the country would be gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah, no, that that was an eye opening to me when I came here. I I didn't realize the magnitude of it, and just like downloading that fire safety app, um, end of last year, beginning of this year. Uh, yeah, just really made being me, able to watch where the fires were, yeah, and how fast they yeah, were, yeah, just how having big that backpacked were. and being ready to 
you know, head off if you needed to because I live in the bush. Oh, I'm so jealous. Don't <laughs> even get me started. Uh, but, yeah, you you were, you were do live in the bush and yeah. you were in a very vulnerable position there and there were some fires not far from where you were. Yeah. No, we monitored it daily and multiple times a day just to be sure that. How know, close was the closest fire that came to? Oh, I don't know exactly in kilometres, but it was sort of we live on one side of the ridge and the fire was sort of further away in like in martinsville there were yep. some yeah, um, yeah, yeah big fires fire. over there and yeah so we're not too far from there no they're not far at all yeah very very worrying time indeed and mm. good news for australia it's yeah. kind of you know when, when you get the uh the wet season or the wet period such as we're having at the moment which yeah. is good it has its pluses and its minuses because the plus is that we're not going to have a bushfire season hopefully yep. god willing well so cautiously far. we hope cautiously. so yeah uh, but of course, we are going to have a lot of growth. Yes. Which then kind of sets us up for one, you know, next time a drought comes around. But yeah. hey, let's just take the blessings while we can, shall that's we? That's it. That's it. it we will can be, use a good year. That's right. It'd be good to have a break from it. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. Paul Wood. Dr. Paul Wood has uh, recently begun a regular monthly segment with us talking about various health subjects. Dr. Paul Wood, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Great to have you on the show this morning. Now, we wanted to talk about osteoarthritis this morning. So we've got a whole variety of health-based subjects that we're going to uh, be looking at um, as we you know, work through this segment over the year. And today we're talking about osteoarthritis. I understand there's been a new study or some new research that's come out in relationship to this. Yeah, that's right. Well, there's an um, interesting study that came out uh, recently looking at all the high-fat diets in contributing to osteoarthritis and um, in particularly um, connecting cholesterol to osteoarthritis. So, look, I think we need more research to, to I guess, clarify a definitive link here, but um, it's certainly interesting that a high cholesterol diet um, or having high cholesterol might contribute to this this um, this disease. Okay, before um, we before we go deep into that, uh, for those who like myself are not medical people and don't suffer from this particular illness, why don't you give us a brief rundown of what osteoarthritis is and how it manifests itself? Sure. Yes, yeah, so osteoarthritis is a condition where base basically you get a breakdown of cartilage that overlies the ends of your bones. So think. Um, knee joints, um, hip joints, um, hands. You might have seen people with knobbly, knobbly fingers before. Um, often that's due to osteoarthritis. Um, it's, it's important to distinguish it from rheumatoid arthritis. So often when people say they've got arthritis, usually they mean osteoarthritis rather than rheumatoid arthritis, which is a, um, an autoimmune condition where your immune system targets its joints. So osteoarthritis is, is, is one of the most significant causes of, of osteoarthritis. So you've got these two different kinds of arthritis. It seems that from what I'm hearing then, if, if one is an immune response and this one, uh, if it's related to you know, a high-fat diet, then it, it would be more lifestyle-related than the other form of arthritis? Yeah, so often we've, we've, traditionally we've thought of osteoarthritis as being due to wear and tear. And I guess the fact that you see it in knee joints, you see it in hip joints, that would sort of under, underlie that. Um, also, in people who are overweight or obese, they're more likely to have osteoarthritis. But you also see osteoarthritis in other joints, like finger joints or shoulder joints, that, that, that may not get so much um, wear and tear. And it's interesting that um, 
high fat diets also seem to correlate with that rather than purely um, carrying extra weight. Right. Now, how big of a problem is this in Australia? How many Australians would be affected by osteoarthritis? Good question. So in 2017-18, they found that's 9.3% of Australians. So actually 1 in 11 Australians had osteoarthritis. Now, as you get older, this condition becomes more common. So once you hit 45, and I don't know about you, Lyle, but I'm getting close to that. No, I'm past um, it. I'm past it. Yeah. All right. it's, I, wish, I wish I was still getting close to it, but I'm past that. <laughs> well, it's one in five once you hit 45. So, yeah, chances aren't great that you can avoid it, but there are some good lifestyle things you can do that can certainly help with that. Okay, so, all right, I don't have osteoarthritis. I don't have any form of arthritis that I'm aware of, and mm. I really don't want to get it uh, because I like to stay active. So what are the things that I need to start looking at uh, particularly now that I'm in the danger zone of being above 45? Sure. So managing weight's really important, particularly in terms of of your weight-bearing joints, like your knees and your hips. So now that for each 5-kilogram weight gain, there's a 36% increase in risk of osteoarthritis affecting your knees. And uh, we are seeing the rates of knee replacements uh, rising in Australia Um for example, for the 2005 to 2016 period, uh, there was a 38% rise in uh, total replacements for um, osteoarthritis. So weight, is it weight management is an important one. Being physically active, um, and just while we're talking about physical activity, this is still a myth. Some people think that, um, I had thought that jogging perhaps accelerates um, osteoarthritis in your knees, but uh, apparently not so. Um, jogging is actually associated with decreased risk of osteoarthritis of your of your knees. So that's, uh, as we mentioned, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting because if it was associated with wear and tear, mm. then you know I would imagine that jogging obviously is you know you're, you're using those and pounding on those knee joints and pounding on that cartilage as you pound the pavement. To me, that would create wear and tear. What you're saying is that. It actually does the opposite. Now, I'm a bit of a car guy, and yes. from a from a from a car perspective, or pretty much from anything that humans create perspective, the more you use it, the more it wears out. Um, do we have the opposite taking place here with the human body, to some extent? That's right. So, you, I mean, your knees were designed for for movement. So, one of the reasons we think that uh, jogging may actually be protective against osteoarthritis in your knees is that. It helps with lowering your body weight. So that takes some of those weight-bearing forces off your knees. The other thing it seems to do too is it seems to stimulate cartilage growth in the knee joints as well. So by improving blood flow, as, as you start moving that joint, um, you're improving flow to the cartilage, which helps to restore that. That's amazing. So when we as human beings build something, the, the harder we work it, the more we exercise it, the faster it wears out. Whereas when God builds something, the more we, ex- the more we exercise, the better it lasts. Um, very, very different kind of a uh, design that we have between yeah humans and God. Now, um, I have a, I have another question here. So, what about somebody like myself who doesn't really put weight on? I have a fast metabolism. Weight is never going to be my problem. So, do I have to worry about my lifestyle in relationship to osteoarthritis? Yes, certainly. Because we, as we know now, it's not purely due to weight. We do see osteoarthritis in people with, with normal body weights. Um, that's why some other lifestyle factors are important too. So 
high fiber diets tend to um, play into this equation as well. Certainly, we see a inverse relationship between fiber intake and risk of osteoarthritis of the knee. So as your fiber intake goes up, uh, risk of osteoarthritis goes down. So you now where you get fiber from is basically from lots of plants. So eating plant-rich diets or high-fiber diets would seem to be protective against um, osteoarthritis. The other thing that's important too, Lyle, would be to um, have a good intake of omega-3 fats. Um, these seem to be anti-inflammatory. So omega-3 fats you find in things like uh, walnuts, uh, flaxseed, linseed, um, deep-sea oily fish. These are all sources of, of um, omega-3 fats. You might have heard berries are great for um, a variety of things. And um, there's certainly a high in these compounds called polyphenols. And uh, one study looked at um, strawberry intake and, um, and pain in osteoarthritis of the knees and found that um, having a good intake of strawberries every day seemed to reduce inflammatory markers that, um, and pain that was associated with the osteoarthritis. You know, that's really good news. I don't know that I've actually ever met anyone. I'm wondering, whether does anyone in the studio here ever met anyone who doesn't like strawberries? Oh, I used to be one of the ones who didn't like strawberries there as you a go. kid. Okay. Yeah, but now I love it. Yeah, I, I find most you know most people love strawberries. What other? What about other uh, small fruits, um, berries, and so forth? You know, blackberries, raspberries, boysenberries, loganberries, um, young berries, those kind of berries, uh, mulberries. Even uh, the, do they have the same benefits? Intuitively, you'd think so. They haven't done studies on those yet, but. Um it would seem that any of those sort of brightly coloured berries would seem to have those, those um, properties because they're all, they're all high in polyphenols. These haven't necessarily been put to the test yet specifically with osteoarthritis of your knees. Mm. Yeah, the other one, Lyle, but maybe not quite so palatable, um, broccoli. Um, there's a compound of broccoli called sulforaphane that seems to block um, certain inflammatory chemicals that um, may drive the damage of the cartilage in your, in your knee joints. Um, so have a good sort of broccoli... Uh, Within a time tonight might be a good idea. Nice. I like broccoli. I love broccoli. Um, we, uh, when I was a kid one time, we, were, we spent some time overseas, came back, had no money, but the broccoli had gone wild in the garden while we were away and we kind of lived off broccoli for a while, and so it's pretty good stuff. But, um, wow. Yeah. Hopefully that has given me some good protection from uh, osteoarthritis, but it was a long time ago. So anything else in particular that we should be looking out for um, as far as foods go? Yeah, just two more. Um, that's probably worth mentioning. Uh, one is turmeric. So that's that kind of yellow spice that um, you often find in Indian type, type cuisine. And um, one study found that it was comparable to ibuprofen, uh, which is a common anti inflammatory that people would be familiar with. Um, so similar in its effects with um, knee osteoarthritis um, to taking some ibuprofen. The other one's ginger. There are research behind ginger for helping with um, arthritis of the knees. Okay, so I'm really enjoying this interview so far because you're kind of just sort of going down through a list of um, all the kind of foods that I actually like. I love Indian food. I love broccoli. I love small fruits. I love berries. I think raspberries are like my favorite fruit on the planet. Um, so, yeah, you've become my friend this morning, Dr. Paul Wood. Um, what are uh, – we, we talked about um, – we talked about you know high fat diet being a, mm. a a major risk for osteoarthritis. Is there a difference between genders? Yes, so in, we, we certainly see more osteoarthritis in females, unfortunately. Um, but the good news for females is, is, is females tend to live longer than blokes anyway. So obviously, it's going to affect their life expectancy. 
Um, so Ginder definitely plays a role. Um, the other thing too is previous injury. So we talked about, you know, jogging being protective, but um, if you injured joints, like in your old football days or whatever it might be, um, sometimes they can come back to bite. Um, it's after I just in the track. Um, having said that though, um, if you have had injuries in your joints in the past, if you sort of pay attention to these things we've spoken about this morning, um, hopefully you'll minimise your risk of having those issues down the track. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something here about joint misalignment. Mm. What, what is that and how does that work? Yeah, so I guess joints are designed to, to move in, in, along a certain plane. Um, and some people uh, might have injured a joint or um, can be born a certain way where a joint doesn't sort of line up quite correctly, um, like a hinge joint, and it might put uh, abnormal loading on one part of that joint. And um, that, that can then lead to issues down the track. That's probably less common, though. Um, certainly injuries are a lot more common than, than that sort of issue. Sure. How would you um, how would you go about treating something like that with a misaligned joints? Yeah, that, that kind of thing might require um, surgery. So that kind of person would often see an orthopedic surgeon who would um, look at procedures to help crack that, that issue. Yeah, okay, cool. Now, with... Um, okay, so I think we've got a text message coming through here... Um, I have a question so this is a question from a listener um, osteoporosis and osteoarthritis um, are now being tested for Paget's disease um, you, would, do you know anything that you could comment on Paget's disease so yes it's, it's probably worth also distinguishing between osteoporosis and osteoarthritis often they get confused but if you're having that osteo um, prefix there. So osteoporosis is the condition where you get um, weakening, of your, weakening of your bones and um, that can happen as you get older. So yeah, osteoarthritis, we're talking specifically about joints. Osteoporosis, we're talking about um, about the bones themselves, yeah, how strong they are. Um, yeah, just to clarify that. Okay, so is there a relationship between the two? Do we have the same uh, risk factors for the two? Not really, no. So Osteoporosis, and perhaps we can, we can certainly uh, dedicate another interview to this, but osteoporosis is more common in females. Um, we do see it more commonly as they get older. Um, there's certainly factors that can play a role with this in terms of uh, weight-bearing exercise as a young person. Um, in females, what age they go to, menopause can affect um, the risk of osteoporosis. Um, dietary factors can play a role as well, um, for sure. Um, but probably a few different risk factors to what we see with osteoarthritis. Mm. Dr. Paul Woods, thank you so much for joining us this morning here on Faith FM. A pleasure. That was uh, Dr. Paul Woods with uh, a health update. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've now come time for... Question of the Day. If and one is yes. to believe in annihilationism, how do we explain these verses? Matthew twenty five forty one, Matthew twenty five forty six, and Revelation fourteen eleven. These verses seems to point to an ongoing eternal punishment coming in from Kingsley. Okay, well done, Kingsley. Good uh, question right here. And uh, this question actually goes right along with the parable that we were just reading in Matthew 25. So we're just yep. uh, a little bit further down in Matthew 25. We've got these two verses here, and he talks about annihilationism. Annihilationism, you've you basically got three views of hellfire. You've got hellfire burns eternally. 
hellfire doesn't exist mm. or hellfire annihilates the wicked. Right. Now, the Bible says very, very clearly in a multitude of places that hellfire annihilates the wicked, turns them to ash, yep. turns Satan to ash. It's all in the Bible. Um, there's a lot of verses we can look at there. However, those who believe that it burns eternally and that the wicked never, ever, 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 ever stop suffering, mm. that the wages of sin is not death, it's eternal life in hellfire. Yeah. Well, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But, you know, for those who believe that, they will turn to verses like this. And right here in verse 41, the Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. They will then go down to verse 46 and say, and continue on with that same context. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Yep. Okay. If you are going to take these verses as being everlasting fire, you're going to make the Bible contradict itself because if you go over to places like, uh, let me think here, Malachi chapter 4 is probably a good place. You know, the day comes that shall burn them, shall burn as an oven. All the proud and all that do wickedly will be stubble and the day that comes shall burn them up, hmm. says the Lord, uh, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. You will tread down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet. You can go to Revelation chapter... Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. Where am I going? Revelation. Revelation, Revelation, Revelation. Chapter 20. My Bible is falling apart terribly right here. <laughs> where the Bible says uh, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And I've given this challenge a number of times here on Faith FM. If you are unsure of the word devour, mm. then bring me some apple pie one morning and I'll publicly demonstrate the meaning of that word. It'll be a practical demonstration. It'll be a practical demonstration. Um, I it will, will not be there for long. No, we will we will put in a serious effort for you. Mm. Yeah, we will do the hard yards. Yes, indeed. Okay, so um, let's go back to these verses and let's talk about everlasting fire. Yeah. The Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah were punished with everlasting fire. We mm. had that as a part of our quiz. Yeah. My question is: Is Sodom and Gomorrah still burning? Well, as far as I know, there's no sort of place on earth left that is burning with eternal fire. Yeah, no, you can go to the Middle East today and actually they, everybody's arguing about where Sodom and Gomorrah actually is. It would be easy to find if there was an everlasting fire burning right. there, hey. Follow the smoke. A little called, bit like that, yeah. It's called smoke signals. That's it. Uh, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes... He condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those who should live afterwards ungodly. Mm. So what's this all about? The answer actually comes in verse 46. Let's notice verse 46 right here where it says, These shall go away into everlasting punishment. Mm. What is the punishment for sin? The wages of sin is death, yep. right? Yep. So the, wages, the punishment for sin is death. Yeah. If the punishment is everlasting, mm. that simply means that they're going to be killed, destroyed in hellfire, and never resurrected again. Basically stay dead. Stay dead. Yeah. The, the punishment is everlasting. The punishment is death. There is no resurrection from it. Yep. Therefore, they are everlastingly dead. Mm. There is a difference between everlasting punishment, mm. as the Bible says here, and everlasting punishing. 
If it was everlasting punishing, that would be eternal hellfire. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't say everlasting punishing. It says everlasting punishment, and the punishment is death. Mm. We can talk more about this on Monday. This is a very good question we had right here.